Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. Reflections from the Heart is an outreach of Gospel Reflection, a family ministry of Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join us as we break open the bread of life in the Gospel reading for this Sunday's Mass, as we invite the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers to inspire us today. And now, here is your host with Reflections from the Heart. Welcome, everyone, to another session of Reflections from the Heart. My name is David Abel. Today, I'm joined by Cameron Norris. Welcome, Cameron. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Awesome, awesome. If everybody would get their Bible, we're going to turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. But before we break open the bread of life, I'd like to invite the Holy Spirit into our hearts to help us to see what we're to see, to hear what we're to hear, and then put it into action, to be the vessels of God's love, mercy, and compassion in this world, lights that lead to Him. So without further ado, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Calm, Holy Spirit, into our hearts and enkindle our hearts, the fire of your love. Set our hearts ablaze in your love and help us to be those lights of love in the world, not condemnation, but love. We invite your Holy Spirit into this, this recording to help us break open the bread of life so that we're to see, we're to see, hear, we're to hear, and then put it into action. Light our path, Holy Spirit, one day, one step, and Father, use us for your mission, co-mission with Christ, join in his mission in the salvation of souls. In Jesus' most precious name we pray, amen. Amen. the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Cameron, do you mind giving us a little gospel love this morning? Absolutely, I would love to. Again, we are in Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. John the Baptist appeared, preaching in the desert of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It was of him that the prophet Isaiah had spoken when he said, A voice of one crying out in the desert, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight his paths. John wore clothing made of camel's hair and had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locust and wild honey. At that time, Jerusalem, all Judea, and the whole region around the Jordan were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they acknowledged their sins. When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warn you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce good fruit as evidence of your repentance, and do not presume to say to yourself, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God can raise up children to Abraham from these stones. Even now the axe lies at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I am baptizing you with water for repentance, but the one who is coming after me is mightier than I. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into his barn but the chaff he will burn up with unquenchable fire. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Ooh, that last word, unquenchable fire. 
brings me back to a phraseology that the Lord spoke to my heart is, we are all, all of us on a journey home to our permanent home in heaven. And through this journey, we're going through what we call purgation. What is that? Purgation is perfecting in us what is of Christ and purging from us that which is not. The fire is God's love. So God's love is, and and believe me, sometimes it's painful to let go of these things we want to hold on to, but it's perfecting, as they say in Scripture, the gold and the silver, perfecting in us the mercy, the compassion, the love that is of Christ, but then it's also purging, which is the chafe, that which is not of Christ, our unforgiveness, our jealousy, our judgmentalism, all the stuff that doesn't isn't of Christ, it's got to go. Can't enter heaven. Book of Revelations tells us nothing unclean can enter heaven. So for me, this journey is an invitation every morning, every night to the Holy Spirit. If you think you didn't sin in that day, just invite the Holy Spirit to illuminate your soul and say, where did I fall today? Did I condemn? Did I look with lust? Did I judge? What did I do today? And you know what? Then what do we do? Say, I'm good to go. No, 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 no. We do what it says in the first sentence. Repent. Father, I'm sorry. I've sinned against others and of you. Please have mercy on my soul. Please forgive me. And as a Catholic, we also know we have the greatest gift, the ministry that was entrusted to the apostles, passed on by the laying of the hands, to go the sacrament of reconciliation for mortal sin, which it says in Scripture there's two types of sin, venial and mortal, the ones you can pray for and the ones that you can't, the ones you've got to go to the sacrament of reconciliation to be forgiven. So for me, it's like, let me go, let me get clean, let me do it daily, but also let me go and let God use that precious priest who he's anointed with this gift, this charism, to hear the sins, be the vessel of God's mercy, but then to forget those sins and to move past them. So again, repentance is key to entering that kingdom of heaven, which is at hand today, here and now. I love it. And that fire, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. That fire does two things. It burns up what shouldn't be there, <laughs> and it purifies, it like the idea of refining gold. Yep. It it makes the good crisp, and it, it, so it, it plays into both sides of it. It burns away the things that shouldn't be there, and it helps to purify the things that should be there. And when you're talking about you know, reflecting back on your day, um, you know, thinking back, Lord, where, where did I fall short? And having those kind of conversations in the day. Sometimes it's big things where, oh, yeah, um, yeah, I misled that person or, you know, whatever it was, I stole this or I, I, I lusted after that, whatever it would be. But then there's other times, too, where it could be something as simple as, it pierces my heart to think of these conversations. I put that widow in your life and i've been waiting for you to do something about it and it's like oh man you know you think of the things you messed up on as opposed to sometimes he's looking at how many times do i have to bring that person across your path <laughs> until until you can like give him a hug and five dollars or whatever whatever he's tugging on your heart to do for that person so I highly recommend reflecting on your day, whatever that time is. You find a chair in your house, get on your knees by your bed, your drive home, whatever that time is. Those are the times where it's like you get these heavenly kisses of, oh, 
I, I saw, I, now I see what you were doing at that 11 o'clock meeting. I didn't see it at the time, but thanks for giving me a little more insight. Or it's also times where he gets to show us where we missed it and we all miss it. It, it. It's okay to do that, but reflecting on it brings it to your awareness so that the next time that happens, it's like, it's almost like a, a, a flashing lights going off. Hey, this is the thing I've been tugging at your heart about. Okay. I'm going to respond the way that I think the father wants me to respond. I mean, one, one of the stories that comes to mind for whatever reason, the last, I don't know, call it a couple of weeks. It seems like if we go to a restaurant or we go to a store, it's like they don't put everything on the bill that should be there. And, and we have to like call the waiter back over and say, Hey, we had more than this, which seems like, should we do that? Should we not? And I, I remember reflecting on that, and <clears throat> I'm saying this, I, I'm going to share what I was convicted of. I kind of took it to the Lord like, hey, look, at, didn't we do the right thing? You know, look how, <laughs> look how good we were. You know, you just, it's kind of like a, a kid going to his dad, hey, I did something good. And he said, I know, but what I'm trying to perfect in your heart is that moment before you called the waiter over where you had the thought that you could get away with leaving there without paying for that. So that's what I'm trying to address. And I was like, oh, man, because I did have that thought. Of course, I, was, I got the receipt. You're like, human. Yeah. I was like, oh, man, babe, guess what? We just, we just came out ahead. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Never. But taking it before the Lord, I was taking my actions of, hey, I ended up finally doing the right thing. And it, it, was, it was such a, a clear, distinct voice in my heart that said, I know, but I'm trying to perfect that moment of time before you called him over. And then guess what? Two days later, it happens again. I, I think it's happened probably five times in the last two weeks where it's an obvious mistake. I mean, I mean, one of them was, it, it was our anniversary night out and she forgot to put an extra decimal in what she was ringing out. And we got the check like, whoa, glory to God, look at this. How is it? And then we're like, because we did have a small gift card, but we had to call her over and we were like, this just does not add up. And she was like, oh, forgive me. I made such a big mistake. And right. she, she went through that. But again, it was that moment of time before where it's like, wow, we could just leave, sign this thing and get out of here. Well, each one of those are a test. Where's your heart? So because true. again, for me, the thought isn't the sin. Scripture tells us, take captive every thought. It's that taking captive of the thought immediately and doing the right thing, because then that right thing becomes a testimony to our faith in God. So again, these, these tests, whew, again, again, as the scriptures read here, you know, this, this fruit, you, know, you can't earn your way into heaven. Works without faith is dead. You can't earn your way. You can't buy your way into heaven. You know, and faith without works, you can't just say with lip service, yeah, I believe in Jesus. Yeah, I read the Bible. Yeah, I'm a Catholic. Yeah, I'm a this. Yeah, I'm a that. I'm a relation to Abraham. Oh, stop. Pharisees and Sadducees, they knew scripture, Old Testament, inside, out, up, down. They walked around and paraded with their with their knots on their ropes. They, they, they just they were the epitome of 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 faith. Now, that was all about the head. You see. At the end of the day, God measures our heart. Are we all in? Do we truly have divine intimacy with him? 
starts with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And then Jesus takes us by the hand and says, let me take you to the Father. Let me take you to the deep water, into divine intimacy. And that to me is like, man, take me. I'm all yours. Let's go deep. Because that's the relationship. You know, you know in scriptures where people went, Lord, Lord, I did this in your name. I did that in your name. I did this in your name. I did that in your name. And the Lord says, this is final judgment. I didn't know you. That word know is a marital term of intimacy. Mary says, how can this happen? I know not man. That marital intimacy is Christ is the bridegroom. We're the bride. It is about that divine intimacy that God wants with each of his children. It's why his son came to this earth and gave his life, that we can live in the divine intimacy, that eternal exchange of love in heaven. So for me, I want to always say my yes. I want to grow and I want to learn. I don't want to just have head knowledge. It needs to be a wellspring of life that comes out of my heart. And the only way that happens is I have to continue to consume the Word of God, consume our Lord in the Eucharist. Every morning I try to go to Mass, daily Mass, because I get it both ways. I get the Word of God. I consume it. <sighs> Beautiful. That's my spiritual food for my, for my soul. Then I get the Eucharist, the bread of life, Jesus himself. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. And he says the key words, and the bread that I will give, this is Jesus speaking, is a my flesh for the life of the world. He's telling us right there that that bread, although our eyes see bread, no, no, no. When he says the blessing, it's him. And he feeds us that way too. So for me, especially as Catholics, you get to go every day to daily mass. You hear the word, you consume it. You consume Christ in the Eucharist, and then you enflesh light, you enflesh Christ in the world. Wow. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump back into the scripture here. Even now, the axe lies at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. We're called to bear good fruit, and we've talked about this on the radio before. Fruit doesn't come from striving to produce an apple. The tree doesn't strain and say, "I need an apple out of this branch right now." That's not how it works. It abides. The, the branch abides to the trunk. The trunk abides with the roots. The roots are deep into the ground, into the soil. In the same way Jesus painted the picture of, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If, if you know much about grapevines, like the idea that those vines, they intertwine so much that you can't separate one from the other. If we want fruit in our lives, our job our responsibility, our, our part in it is to abide with him. Fruit is going to be a byproduct of that. The fruit isn't the focus of, I got I to gotta make this fruit. I got to make an apple. I got to make an orange. No, the fruit's going to come because I'm abiding. You're, you're not going to abide and just lock yourself in a room and isolate yourself and stay alone and away from people. You're going to abide. You're going to have that knowing, that intimacy with him and then things are going to start falling on your heart. They're on his heart. You're, you're going to start seeing your family the way that he sees them. You're going to start seeing your neighborhood and your community and your place where you work in the same way that he sees them. And you're going to want to take action because he is going to say to your heart, these, these, this is why I have you where I have you. This, these are the things that I want to do, and I'm waiting for an obedient vessel. Abiding with him, fruit is going to come of that. And the idea that if fruit's not coming out, the tree's getting cut down, 
uh, from the scripture here. I don't, I don't want to be a tree. I don't want to be a life where fruit doesn't come out of it and the ax has to come out. I, I, I mean, you get one chance at this. Why would we not want to do it the way he designed us to do it? Let, let's, I mean, it's, it's a challenge and it's an invitation. Abide with him. Find out what he cares about, how he wants to respond to those things, and put your hand up, say a yes, and it'll start small, but it's going to grow and grow. Next thing you know, there's going to be fruit here and fruit there and fruit that you, you don't even know. Here's more. Here's something even that goes right hand in hand with this. If you're a uh, a gardener and you have an orchard or you have a vineyard, if you let those vines grow in a vineyard, they will attach to the fence, the fence, the wire, other vines. They'll just keep on growing, keep on producing leaves. It's all about that vine. It's only when the vine is pruned, so good, that it produces the fruit. Go in and look at apple orchards and peach orchards. If the if it meant let the trees just grow wild. It's going to produce a ton of fruit. That's about the tree, me, myself, and I, all the branches, all the leaves. It's all about me. I'm, I'm consuming all the energy, not producing fruit. It's the pruning hard back of the peach tree, the apple tree, the vine that says to the vine, whoa, I got to produce fruit. So for us, we've got to allow and say yes and understand God's going to prune us back. He's the, he's the farmer. He's the gardener. He's going to prune us where we're not healthy. Why? So we can produce fruit of love. So when you go through things, and I'm going through one right now, it's all about what am I to learn through this? How do you want to purify me through this? How am I to grow through this? Not woe is me, poor me, stop, stop. So it's in the pruning that the fruit's produced in abundance. That's so good. And what did Jesus say to his disciples? He said, but you have already been pruned through the words that I've spoke to you. So how do we go through a pruning? One way to do it is to open up the word of God, invite the Holy Spirit to breathe on it because the the word is alive and active. Holy Spirit, what, what does this scripture have to speak to me today? And then just keep reading. He'll speak to you. He, he will. The, the more time you spend with him. It's also important, we can't go by the ways of the world. The new slogan out in the world is love is love. That is a lie straight from hell. That's not a truth. I love pizza. I love going fishing. I love going pheasant hunting. I love a whole lot of things. But if I told my wife, I love you as much as I love pizza, that's not going to work real well. <laughs> so we got to be real careful. Love is not love. There's five words in the Greek, you know, in, in the Jewish language that, that speak to love, the depth of love. The love that God is, is an unconditional Four pillars of God's love, free, can't buy it, can't earn it, total, he's all ours, we're all his, faithful, I'm not going to cheat on him, he's not going to cheat on me, and fruitful. God's love never comes back void. It always comes back and bears fruit. So for me, my whole life, I want to be enmeshed in the true love of God. I got to get that vertical relationship right with the Father as his precious son, And when I get that relationship right, then God pours, continues to pour out his love and his grace into me, fills the wellspring of my heart, and then flows into every person God brings into my life each day. So it's all about you and I, ladies and gentlemen, getting right in our relationship with God, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It starts with repentance. 
getting clean, acknowledging. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, the tree they ate from wasn't bad. The fruit wasn't bad. What did they do? Disobeyed God. And so for me, do we disobey God throughout the day? Yep. How do we know that? Invite the Holy Spirit in to illuminate your soul. He'll show you. And then what do we do? Repent. Because we've got to get right with God. When we get right with God, we get in that right relationship, then God will use us in this situation, that situation. It won't be about me, myself, and I. It'll be a life others-centered. And It's interesting. The scriptures say you had the law and the prophets until John. I think sometimes the way I would read, it would make more sense to say you had the law and the prophets until Jesus. But really, it starts with John, because what was, if you sum up John's ministry, I mean, there's there's not a lot of things that he said. He said, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So you, the idea is, it starts with repentance. It, uh, yes, Jesus is the answer. He's the way, the truth, and the life. But it starts with recognizing that you did something wrong, bringing it before the Father, asking for repentance and turning back to the way that you should be looking. The, the repentive heart, it's the, it's the beginning. It's, it, it really is the first place. <clears throat> and if you look at the people that come to him, so it says here, at that time, Jerusalem, Judea, and the whole region around Jordan, they were going out to see him. It doesn't say that John was calling them, you brood of vipers. It was the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the ones who knew what they should be doing, but weren't doing it. It wasn't, it wasn't necessarily the world. He was saying, hey, world, come over here and get repent. The kingdom of heaven is here, or the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, repent, repent. But the people that knew the law, they knew the books, those are the ones he was saying... <laughs> Get away from you, brood of viper. I mean, what kind of introduction? Could you imagine somebody walking over towards you, like a, a pastor or a priest or a clergy, or you, brood of viper? Like, I, I, and the idea that John, like his dad, was a high priest, so he he knew these people. These people knew him. It was a it was a community. Those are the ones that he was addressing strongly, but the, the, the world or the people from Jerusalem, Judea, and the whole region, he was saying, get over here, repent. I'm baptizing you in this repentance. And then after me, Jesus is coming and he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So I, I think we have to, yeah, look at things a certain way. Um, and I think, I think a big cry on my heart and for our hearts is people in the world, my heart breaks for them, but I know that the first step for them is repentance, for them to see. And and whatever my role is in that, it, it, usually my role is not beating, up, beating them over the head with the Bible. Usually my role is being kind to them at a time where they don't deserve kindness. It's always praying for them. It's always looking out for them, but those are, I mean, if you want to bring scripture into it, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. I think there's plenty of times where you can get around the table with well-meaning people who want to complain about, did you know this latest thing that's happening and that latest thing that's happening? Let's stop, drop, and pray. 
Let's yep. take them before the Father. Let's get his heart for him, and let's see what our role is in that. And if our role is just praying, then let's keep praying. If our role is to reach out to them when they're, we're prompted, then let's do that too. But there was a time where you and I and all of us who have gone through repentance or, or, or have um, have a relationship with Jesus, there was a time before that when we didn't. So it was, we, we had to do the same thing. We had to find repentance and come into relationship with Jesus. People who haven't been there yet, I'm not mad at them. I, my heart aches for, I know what it was like before repentance and before relationship with Jesus. Awesome. And we need to bring scriptures forward to today because the scripture verse, as it reads, a voice of one crying out in the desert. Right now in the United States of America, it's a desert. People are starving for the word of God. They're drinking salt water, thinking they're quenching their thirst and they're dying. So we need to, as John the Baptist did, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. How do we do that? We do that by first in the morning, giving our first fruit to God, taking that first hour, hour and a half to fill up with the word of God, to take that communion time, common union time with the Father in through and with Jesus Christ. Invite the Father along. Invite the Holy Spirit to light our path. Invite Jesus to live in us, with us, and through us that day. And then we need to go out into this desert, out in this world, and not be afraid to let the Lord use us, to speak through us, to share share from our hearts that which is living in our hearts, which is Christ. So for me, and I don't take this lightly, we're called to be vessels of hope, mercy, compassion in this world, lights that lead to Jesus Christ for what? The salvation of souls. Don't underestimate your calling, your commission, commission, co-missioned, joined with the mission of Christ to do what? Save souls. There is nothing greater. I love Pastor Rick Warren. He held his father's hand. The final words his father spoke to him were one more soul for Jesus. Is that what you do every morning when you wake up and you take your time with God? Do you say, Lord, use me today? One more soul for you. Do we go out into this world? Do we condemn it? Do we talk about it? Do we gossip? Or are we men and women of action? And do we love unconditionally the way God loves? And are we invitations to the eternal banquet? God bless each and every one of you in this Christmas season. It's all about the birth of Jesus Christ and that celebration of the salvation of all of humanity. God bless you. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, please consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For more information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, and to learn about all of the family of ministries, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org or call us at 717-367-0100. Stewardship, a mission of faith, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make Reflections from the Heart possible. If you've enjoyed this broadcast, 
please prayerfully consider partnering with us by making a tax-deductible donation by visiting stewardshipmission.org or call us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of all of us at Stewardship, a mission of faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him.